the lady of the house at home. Oh. Hello, my name is Amanda Ost, and I will be your host for this episode of Yeah, What She Said, CJSW's long-running feminist spoken word program. We broadcast on the air at CJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary at 11 a.m. and 8 p.m. on the third Monday of every month. But if you miss us on the air, don't worry, because you can also get our podcast on CJSW.com or your favorite podcast app. For today's episode, for the month of June, we are honoring Indigenous Awareness Month. Earlier this month, Canada's national inquiry into missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls released their report, Reclaiming Power and Place. Nearly 3,000 people participated in the truth-gathering process, including family members, survivors, experts, knowledge keepers, and community organizations through art building and community hearings. Today, you will hear me interview Tapasa Killabuck, who is the manager of Indigenous Relations at In From the Cold, as we discuss what the MMIW report means for Calgary. We will start this episode off with a land acknowledgement that includes a celebration of Ruth Scalplock. CJSW presents Indigenous Awareness Month featuring Ruth Scalplock. Her name is Shield Woman, the shield which protects those who've long since been forgotten. Canada is no safe haven for its Indigenous people. Ruth Scalplock has dedicated her life to making those invisible to the settler colonial eye seen by her, to provide them with the care that so many of us require in order to move beyond the trauma that this system has inflicted upon us. Scalplock played an instrumental role in the founding of the Awatan Healing Lodge Society, gifting it her own name, Awatan, Blackfoot for Shield. Her 2014 novel, My Name is Shield Woman, A Hard Road to Healing, Vision, and Leadership, shares her incredible journey through the hardships she has faced as a Siksika woman, the very foundation of what makes her a powerful matriarch and a pillar of her community. Scalplock embodies resilience, and her continued dedication to her work epitomizes the irrepressibility of Indigenous people throughout Turtle Island. CJSW broadcasts out of Calgary, Alberta, located on Treaty 7 land. We would like to acknowledge the traditional territories of the people of the Treaty 7 region in southern Alberta, which includes the Blackfoot Confederacy, comprising the Siksika, Bikani, and Gaina First Nations, the Tutana First Nation, and the Stony Nakoda, including the Chiniki, Bearspaw, and Wesley First Nations. The city of Calgary is also home to Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3. Listen throughout the month to hear more Indigenous Awareness Month content or find all content on our SoundCloud page. Music by A Tribe Called Red featuring Black Bear. So my name is Amanda Ost, and I am the host of Yeah What She Said, CJSW, CJSW's feminist podcast. Uh, today we will we are celebrating um, Indigenous Awareness Month for the month of June here at CJSW. 
And we thought it was really good timing to talk about the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women's Report. Uh, the National Inquiry was launched in September 2016 and was released just this past June. And so we really want to find out more about it and talk about this issue. Today I have here with me Tapasa Killabuk. Hi Tapasa, do you want to introduce yourself? Tapasa Atika Tapasa Killabuk. Hi. Like Amanda said, my name is Tapasa Killabuk, and I'm the manager of Indigenous Relations at In From the Cold. Uh, I'm an Inuk woman from Iqaluit, Nunavut, but I've been urban my whole entire life. My dad is white, so I lived amongst the white people, and then I have started reclaiming and resisting since 2015. And you're also on the Reconciliation Committee? Yeah, so yeah, so I'm on the Reconciliation Committee at the Women's Center, and I'm also, um, this is my first year on the board at the Women's Center as well. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> so how does your work in Calgary and your work in reconciliation support Indigenous women and girls here in Calgary? Um, well, at my job, we serve um, vulnerable people, So, uh, which is for, it's a shelter for families who are experiencing homelessness. And about 60% of our population is Indigenous. So they... Uh, they hired me uh, about a year ago, year and a half ago, and I've since made it to being a manager of Indigenous relations. Uh, unfortunately, I've met many families families who have been impacted by this type of violence. Um, so whatever whatever they need and however I can support them, um, sometimes it's like getting grief counselors, um, trauma counselors, uh, supporting them through women's marches or whatever, whatever they need, or if they just want to talk about it. Or I, I really like to talk about like intergenerational trauma and how to like break that cycle of violence so their children don't have to experience it either. Do you th think there's a lot of support and resources for them here in Calgary? I think there can be. It's just like whether you can find them or not. Um, most Indigenous people don't know like what their, if their status and they have the non-insured health benefits, they actually get uh, 20 free um, counseling sessions with a, with a, a psychologist mm -hmm. that takes th that type of status. Wow. Yeah. Um, so we're here to talk about the uh, Missing Murdered Indigenous Women Report. Uh, it was released in June and announced that Canada is responsible for the genocide of Indigenous peoples. I think probably a lot of most Indigenous people know of, of this word already and have felt this way for a long time. But now Canada's and the government's finally, hopefully, facing that term. Um, but for those who don't know about it, can you tell us what you know about the report? Um, mm -hmm. So it's like, it's a 1,200-page report and it was made for, uh, testimonies from like over 2,000 people in different communities across Canada by um, and it's they're gathering information from family members who have been impacted by this type of violence whether it's like their mother their grandmother their sisters their aunties their cousins um, nieces it unfortunately like not just the immediate family is impacted it's communities that are impacted especially with communities who have more than one woman that have gone missing or murdered um i'm glad that you use the word genocide because i know there's a lot of uh what do you like 
There's just a lot of people don't like to use that word, but I, I'm really glad it's that you did. Word. Yeah, it <laughs> and is it's a scary good for word. A reason. Yeah, and I like it, but there is there's just so much truth to this report. Like since first contact, um, our women and girls have been impacted by colonialism, and it still is. It's, it's still happening. Like it hasn't gone away. We haven't had the time to um, provide the right resources for our women and our girls and even our men um, uh, so that they can break that cycle of violence. So they know that they don't deserve to be hit or um, to be in an in abusive relation, relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really serious stuff. And we haven't had the time to like uh, grieve. We haven't had the time to heal. We haven't had the time to really just take care of ourselves and our communities. And it's just like really sad, but you can just see it. It's rampant throughout Canada. The Yeah, the National Inquiry was launched with the Truth and Reconciliation recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, so what kind of calls to action or recommendations are found in the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women Report? There's 231 recommendations in the inquiry, but then there's other recommendations throughout the Truth and Reconciliation Report. And I think they go hand in hand, just like the UNDRIP Mm -hmm. bill does as well. Mm -hmm. Like we, the Truth and Reconciliation recommendations are broad, but the the one for missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls is more focused on on that subject. And it's... Mm-hmm. But it has a lot to do with like government agencies. It comes with like uh, a lot of information for um, police and people who handle these cases. I think it's um, there's a lot of truth to it when uh, non-Indigenous people need to educate themselves. Like Google is a friend to everyone. Like you can get, garner all of this information. You don't have to read everything, but. Honestly, all of the information is there. Um, And for you to not educate yourself is just you're limiting Indigenous people and you're still contributing to that discrimination. So what do you think the report means for um, Indigenous families and survivors here? I really think there is hope. And I was talking to an elder a couple of uh, weeks ago and he told me to have faith. So I feel like there, if I have faith and these recommendations, in which I do, I just want to have faith in the people who are responsible and uh, to taking on these recommendations, um, mm-hmm. that it can happen. Um, it's just, it's all about like providing more for our children. I'm a mom of two, I have a daughter and I have a son, um, and just really, um, breaking the cycle for them, but being able to break the cycle for families and breaking the cycle for Canada to stop having those stereotypes and eliminating that discrimination and uh, what like within policies and government agencies and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So yeah, speaking of that, what do you think the report means for organizations who are working on reconciliation here in Calgary? What can they do? I think it's entirely up to them. The 231 recommendations tells them um, what they're recommending. So like you read through the recommendations and see how you can, uh, put it to to use I guess but like don't do it on your own like there's there needs to be proper representation within all of this and that you need to get that like that information from our elders our knowledge keepers people like me who work like I work nine to five every single day on truth and reconciliation so it's and having that non-biased approach and eliminating that tokenism and going to more than just one person Okay, so it's really about 
uh, building those connections and relationships with indigenous people. And I think it's like an ongoing process and mm -hmm. it's not just reading and checking off boxes mm -mm. or, yeah. No, and like non-indigenous people are in, especially in that like position of power, like question, like what can you actually do? Like how can you provide more and it's equitable resources for our indigenous folks like what can you do for them and what and what capacity can you do that for them um i think people have a lot more power than they think uh, i know that it's a scary journey and reconciliation truth and reconciliation is is going to be messy like it's a it's pushing a, a gigantic rock up the hill but like we need we want to see results um so being responsible and taking that responsibility is really key to a lot of this. And I think, and I'm not saying, I'm not eliminating that um, Indigenous people shouldn't be putting in, in the work as well. We all need to take accountability. But I think um, the Indigenous people have done enough as mm -hmm. of now. And non-Indigenous people need to take uh, the inquiry very seriously and start doing the work. So with um, hopefully the government facing the term genocide officially mm -hmm. and that being a scary word have you have you seen it all what kind of the response has been from non-indigenous people with that term being used has was, it made any kind of an impact or change i don't know i was listening to the radio the other day after the reports came out and this one guy was talking about how he really doesn't see it as being a genocide um which is just like so frustrating like you that's why it's been allowed to happen yeah yeah and like i don't think like non-indigenous people are not in the position to say what it is or not um indigenous people are they're the ones that have experienced all of this they're the ones who have compiled all of the information they're the ones who made the reports with the help of like what else are you supposed to do <laughs> yeah with the like with the help of like settler allies like in all of that which is amazing which is great like some people are taking it seriously um but it's like it's just the truth it is a genocide like our women are dying and our families are suffering and it makes me so sad it makes mm -hmm. me so sad um but i'm going to still commit myself to doing whatever i can do um to provide that to provide anything any type of support for anyone it's just like that trust-based pra practice like i'm not an expert in what they what they need they can tell me what they need and i'll just support them in that mm -hmm. So I know that the report has also mentioned that it's not just um, Indigenous women and girls, but also 2SLGBTQQIA people in the community. Mm -hmm. um, so people of all different identifying genders and sexualities are also doubly affected by violence. Do you have any... Um, information on what the report means for that community or um i think it really it did a really great job on highlighting um that type that community uh, i don't really know too much about it so i can support it for sure because i can see like double like you're doubly marginalized you mm -hmm. know like you you're indigenous and then you're gay maybe or you're questioning or whatever so there that like systemic outlook or societal outlook on on those types of marginalized people it's i feel like it's it can be worse for them for sure 
Yeah, I think it's just important not to yeah. leave them out of the conversation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Are there any last things you wanted to talk about? There's a, a lot of controversy right now, and I know this is a feminist podcast, but it's about um, a lot of non-Indigenous people blaming Indigenous men for all of these deaths, mm. um, which is just like blows my mind. Like I'm not looking for anyone to like point fingers at yeah. um, anyone, but like it's about understanding. This yeah, is a systemic yeah. issue. All the all of the like underlying like yeah systemic issues that result in intergenerational trauma that has impacted all of us and that's like that type of abuse it has happens from non-indigenous men like personally all of the abuse that i've ever endured was from a white guy not from an indigenous man so throwing that out the window would be really really appreciated <laughs> i guess we've kind of already talked about um non-indigenous people need to educate themselves um and i know there's a lot of events happening mm -hmm. um this month for people to get involved mm -hmm. um for indigenous awareness month is there any events that you want to highlight or opportunities um just go to google <laughs> <laughs> google is for everyone um mm -hmm. my friend sydney calls it grandfather google because he knows everything i really think like educating the the population on what is going on and how to not be racist um mm -hmm. it's really important and that's like that's a big part of it like go out i know there are a lot of like information sessions or blanket exercises or whatever it is what it looks like or um just take the mask off your eyes and look at the world Mm -hmm. yeah and don't be afraid to participate yeah in community yeah. And everyone should. yeah and don't be afraid there's nothing to be afraid of like indigenous people are so welcoming and beautiful and amazing especially and what i've um noted noticed in the treaty seven area because i'm an outsider mm -hmm. um but they everyone has just like brought me in with open arms and teaching me their mm -hmm. their stuff so mm -hmm. yeah and those types of events happen all year round for people to get involved with their community. And reconciliation isn't just limited to Indigenous Awareness Month. But uh, for Indige Indigenous Awareness Month this June, are there any specific events you're looking forward to? I think just say on June 17th at the Olympic Plaza, they are doing the opening ceremonies for Aboriginal Awareness Week. Um, that's pretty amazing. And just... And I think IWAC.ca, I think that's what it's called, but they have a list of things that are going on in the city um, to celebrate Indigenous uh, culture and um, the history, even though there's been underlying genocidal tones. But like we're still we're still here, thankfully, and we're still um, we're still able to be to see the the light and everything. And yeah, I think it's, I guess I would just like to acknowledge the effort that's gone into this report by Indigenous people. I think that's really amazing. Yeah, it is. A, exactly. And mm -hmm. acknowledging all the people who put in the hard work and um, hopefully it doesn't collect dust. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thanks so much for coming in to talk to me about Thanks. it today. Thank you, Amanda. And I hope to get up to an event and see you there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you again. <laughs>
You have been listening to Amanda Ost interview Tapasa Killabook about Canada's National Inquiry report on missing, murdered Indigenous women and girls. Here on Yawat She Said, CJSW 90.9 FM, broadcasting from Treaty 7 land. If you would like to know more about the MMIW report, you can go to mmiwg-ffada.ca. If you need any support during this time, you can also call their hotline at 1-844-413-6649. If you are a staff or student at the University of Calgary, you can visit the Writing Symbols Lodge, formerly known as the Native Center. And if you are a Calgarian, you can visit the Aboriginal Friendship Center. We encourage you to check out the Aboriginal Awareness Week Calgary website at www.aawc.ca for their calendar to attend one of the many events happening this month. The song we are listening to is Toothsayer by Tanya Tagak. Afterwards, we will finish this episode with a phone interview from Michelle Robinson about events happening in Calgary for Indigenous Awareness Month. what she said and I have on the line with me Michelle Robinson of the Native Calgarian podcast so we're some fellow podcasters here thanks for joining me Michelle do you want to introduce yourself and tell us who you are sure um my surname is Thunder Woman um in in Blackfoot which I'm very grateful to uh the Blackfoot people for being gracious for allowing us a lot of us visitors on their land even me as a Dene woman, because my uh, lineage is actually pretty 11, where um, my my people are from, the, the hair people, I, I still consider myself a visitor to this territory, and I honor the folks that have taken care of this part of the land for thousands of years. So I'm uh, really grateful to be here. I'm grateful that you were willing to mention that I have a podcast. I know a lot of people... Um, asked me about reconciliation, and I have a, a book club that I do through my nonprofit, and I have a free podcast for folks. And you know, I always hope that that will be some bridge building for some people. But I mean, some people are just not ready, and and that's just where they're at. So here we are. Yeah, I think it's great. I love your podcast. <laughs> oh, great! Well, thank you for listening to it. I appreciate it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, thanks for coming on our podcast. Um, here in Calgary, there are a lot of um, Indigenous awareness events um, yeah. happening this month um, as a way to hopefully get 
uh, people more connected in the reconciliation process and connecting with each other. Are there any events that you wanted to highlight? Oh, well, on Monday, I actually have my own event coming up. Um, I've been running for three years the Truth and Reconciliation Commission Calls to Action um, in my book club. And my book club is called Chapters and Chad. Um, I think the day that this airs will be the day that they do the opening events. There's another wonderful event that I love, which is the Walk for Reconciliation that has to do with the Fort Calgary and walking to Fort Calgary. I love that one. And then we usually have the biggest powwow, the Saturday closest to the 21st, which is Aboriginal Awareness Day or Indigenous Awareness Day. And this year it's, I want to say, Saturday the 22nd. Mm-hmm. So if it, anybody goes on uh, Calgary Aboriginal Awareness um, page, I guess, the web, website, they'll see all of the events that are listed because there's even more. Even tonight, there's going to be an Indigenous artist that's being um, showcased at uh, in Inglewood. There's a place called Ister, and they have uh, artists that they bring in. And I'm really excited to go to that grand opening t- tonight as well. So many great things happening, and I just hope that folks would really go out of their way to try to see uh, some of the different things that are happening in the city in the hopes that we can start uh, building those relations. And I'll also use this moment to say throughout the summer, there are a lot of powwows, Uh, even through the winter there are too, and they're always open to the public. So if you're a non-Indigenous person and you're for some reason afraid to go on res or whatever, don't, don't, don't feel that way. Go out to the res, especially for powwows. Enjoy the powwows, bring lots of cash, and, you know, buy your dream catchers for everybody for Christmas and do all of that great stuff because that's where you can have your, um, you know, meet local vendors and, and do some networking because I know a lot of Indigenous people or not a lot of non-Indigenous people don't actually know anyone Indigenous and this is a great place to go, hey, here's some vendors. So the next time I'm having a program, you know, in Shell's lobby for Aboriginal Awareness Week, I can you know, ask these out of these 10 people if they can come, you know, it's a really great place to, to network. So bring business cards with you in the hopes that we can start generate some uh, cross collaboration and work together in that way. Um, yeah. So that's, those are some events off the top of my head that I, I can think of that I hope everybody uh, goes to. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing, Michelle. Sure. Um, where can we find your native Calgarian podcast? Yeah, so we're on Podbeam, iTunes, and Stitcher. I think those are all the major ones, I guess. My husband really does all that technical work, so I don't really know much about podcasting at all. (laughs) And I'm really grateful that he's been pushing me to do this. But Native Calgarian is my podcast. And I also have a Facebook and Twitter account that I'm I'm incredibly active on as well. So if you can't um, always catch the podcast, you can see some of the things I'm sharing. I try to say them on the podcast, but podcasts go quick. So um, my latest podcast, I talked about uh, the report because everybody kept asking me my opinion about mm-hmm. the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls uh, National Inquiry report. So I did a whole podcast to that. So my hope is, is that people will uh, you know, look for those things and, and listen to the voices of the families affected because to this day, um, even with the inquiry, the Inquiry Act has a mandate to not really persecute, and we have a lot of families that will never really have justice for their families and their loved ones. Um, and this is not including a lot of other folks, for example, the Two-Spirit and for the boys and the, and the men. 
Um, I'm from the community of Colton Crowshoe, and there still has never been a charge or um, closure for the family on that that death. So I just really hope people come out to October 4th, you know, Sisters in Spirit Vigil. That's the one that honours the families of the missing and murdered the most. And uh, there's also a Valentine's Day march. These are annual marches, and we'd love to have non-Indigenous people come and join us. Awesome. Thank you so much again for sharing, and I will check out the report, your podcast on the report, and yeah, thank you. Great. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Yeah What She Said on CJSW 90.9 FM, broadcasting from Treaty 7 land.